Thank you for choosing the Learning to Thrive podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about real life. And now, here's your host and my friend, David Higginbotham. Welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast. I appreciate you taking some time to join Tom and I. My name's David Higginbotham, and I'm here with my friend. Tom Kalanov. And we're talking about a variety of things. This is one of a number of bonus episodes that we're producing that relates to thriving in life. And we've identified six key things that we're wanting to talk about. There are probably other things as well that we could talk about, but we're, we've, we've targeted in on six key things that relate to helping us thrive in life. And the, the one that we're doing now is part three of uh, spirit walk. Spirit now, walk. I made no suggestions. <laughs> I made no suggestions in the previous episode about doing another episode. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, Tom. That was that wasn't you in the background making that that suggestion. <laughs> Actually, the, we we've talked we've talked about this. Um, the, the purpose of these episodes is not to do a detailed. You know, total cover all the bases, everything that you would want to know about the topic, but rather to have conversations around our own experience and the things that we've discovered from the scriptures and things that we've learned from other people along the way. Um, and, and Spirit Walk relates to this issue of uh, the, developing and growing in the interactive relationship that we as Christians have with the Holy Spirit. Let me let me just assure you of something. You that might be an intimidating idea, or maybe it's something somewhat new. But you do have an interactive relationship with the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you do. It, it, he is engaged in your life. He is with you. The Scripture referred to him as the Scripture refers to him as. The, the 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 comforter that's the one of the phrases that's translated there uh, and, and and essentially the greek means the one who comes along beside it's mm. it's the image is that of a, a companion your intimate companion for a journey and so the holy spirit is with us the holy spirit is in us as christians we have this wonderful opportunity to engage with to interact with and to learn how to be in in an intimate relationship with with God, because the only way that you're going to relate to God as a 21st century Christian is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so, if we if we don't have a growing understanding of of the Holy Spirit, if we're not seeing the Holy Spirit expressed in the Scriptures and learning some things from the Scriptures about how to engage with the Holy Spirit, then we're going to be missing a tremendous opportunity. And it's one of those things that Tom and I, uh, this is the third episode where we're talking about that. So if you haven't heard the first two, take a chance and go back and listen to those. Did did I, was that a good introduction, Tom? Did that I, was a great introduction. That's the thing. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> the thing that Tom and I, let me back up. The thing that Tom and I are hoping to accomplish with these bonus episodes is casual conversations and discussions about the topic. We've had two so far uh, discussions about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit Walk, keeping in step with the Spirit. And this is the third one. Uh, again, unscripted, casual conversations where we're sharing out of 
our own lives and our own understanding and uh, hoping to encourage you and hoping to in, to provoke you in the kindest way to to consider some things and to study yourself and to to grow deeper in your understanding and deeper in your engagement with the reality of that third person of the Trinity in your life. The Holy Spirit is there. He's with us all the time, right, Tom? Absolutely. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit is never not there with you. He's there all the time. And so that's one of the things that we've been talking about. And we shared, we've shared some things. Well, it's the first thing that I wanted to make sure that I covered. Yeah. We shared something in, in the, in the second episode, I shared an experience from, from when I was very young in the Lord, I hadn't been a Christian, but just a number of, just a number of months, I think, uh, certainly less than a year. And I told a story about, uh, wanting to make sure that I was, I was following God and within, I had intensity and I focus and I wanted to be right, do what was right. And how I, I changed my shirts three times before going out to an event because in my immaturity, I was thinking, and I had, was being taught essentially, there is a perfect will of God. The, the perfect and, and the good and acceptable will of God. There's three different categories of God's will is what I'd been taught and was trying to walk out. And I had, uh, had to, I, I looked in the mirror and saw this shirt that I was wearing out the door. And I thought, wow, oh, gee, is this the right shirt? Is this the shirt I'm supposed to wear? Well, I shared that as an example of how in our youth and in our, our immaturity, we oftentimes make mistakes uh, about either understanding that we do or practice that we do. And I was talking to Tom and I said, Tom, I've never shared this with anyone before. You're the first person who's, who's heard this. And then later in the, later in the episode, uh, I, I, I remembered as I was talking that I had shared this story with a friend of mine years ago. And I was listening through the episode after we taped it. And I thought, Oh, wow. Cause whenever I said to Tom, you're the first person that I, that I'm telling this to, I realized, well, well that, that, that's not true. That's not accurate. That's not true. <clears throat> what I, what I needed to say, but I didn't was this is the first time I'm sharing this story publicly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd had this conversation with a friend before and I may have told it to another guy along the way, but I just simply, I was, I simply misspoke. And when you talk as much as I do, and I, I hear that a lot, mm-hmm. uh, you, you say stuff occasionally that, you just misspoke. You didn't say it quite right. So if you listen to that episode and you're hearing me, you know, 10 minutes after saying that I hadn't told anyone else about it, mentioning that I'd told a buddy about it, it was, it was that kind of thing. So I just simply misspoke, but it was the first time that I had shared the story public in a public way. So mm-hmm. that's, I just wanted to correct that mistake I made there, Tom. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, go ahead. You know, the, well, this morning, it was interesting because I had this grand plan. I was going to, and this is on the topic of Spirit Walk, I had this grand plan. I'm going to I'm gonna re-listen to the previous two episodes, take some notes, because, of course, the previous two episodes was an exhaustive treatise on <laughs> Spirit Walk. And, you're going to get us in trouble. Some, you're going to get us in trouble here is what you're going to do. And, and write some notes, and I was going to write some questions. And again, my, instead of doing that, which it's okay to make plans, but it's better to listen to the spirit. I instead I pulled out some of my uh, my commentaries and pulled out some of my books and looked up some scriptures. And 
I, I think it, it's a much rich, richer basis for us to have this conversation from. You know, Good. one interesting thing I saw in one of my books, more than 250 New Testament references of pneuma, if I'm pronouncing that right, speak pneuma. of the Holy Spirit. Pneuma. The Spirit, in the absolute sense, occurs about 90 times and also refers to the third person of the Trinity. So it's 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 not like this is... <laughs> One of my favorite verses when when people are on this 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 Bible, you know, the the, the Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. When people are on that that kind of a bent, I'm like, okay, tell me what First Corinthians fifteen twenty nine means. What therefore do they do who are baptized for the dead? Yeah, <clears throat> who knows whatever. The point I'm making is this is not an isolated concept. It's Jesus didn't just talk about it once. The New Testament writers don't just, especially Paul, don't just talk about it once. So this right. is an important part of our life in Christ. Well, it's the connection. Absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the connection between God and you is the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Hmm. I mean, we, the, the mind of the human person is... Is, is incredibly limited in terms of its ability to comprehend the the infinite. It's the it's the 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 presence of the God of the universe who dwells within us, and there's a mystery for us. But it's the presence of God in me. It's the presence of Christ in me, the Spirit of Christ. And we think in terms of three persons. We think in terms and of 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 a trinity, a triunity, a triune God, it's important for us to recognize that there is the, the presence of the Spirit is the presence of the Father and the Son, and the presence of the Son is the presence of the Spirit, that that there's not this trichotomy that are, you know, they're like there's three, there's three separate and distinct uh, entities. There's one entity with three distinct persons. God is three in one. And again, that's as much as I want to say about the Trinity, because frankly, that's all I know. <laughs> I, well, I used to think I used to think I knew more, but I I know less than I used to know. So <laughs> the presence of God in you as a believer in Jesus Christ, as one who is a person of faith, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you is the presence of God in your life. Right. And there is no other connection point in you or in me or in us when we are gathered other than the spirit of truth. Jesus said it's really important that I go away because Jesus could only be one place at one time. Now, after after the resurrection, he could be in one place and then disappear and appear in another place. I mean, he could go through the walls or appear in the room. Now, that's a whole other mystery as well. But he was he was limited by time and space because he was a man. He took on the form of humanity. The Holy Spirit still is the omnipotent God. It is still that omnipresent aspect of the uh, of who God is, and so. We just need not to be afraid. Now, part of the reason, and I understand this, I, you know, I still have some, I've got some friends that are very, very cautious. I've got some friends who know 
of the Lord. They know the Lord deeply and have a great love for the Lord, but they are highly skeptical of anything that comes close to uh, looking like a subjective engagement with God because they, they, from my perspective, are still operating under an Old Testament kind of mindset. And, you know, the heart is not wicked and, and, and deceitful. Okay, the heart, that is, that's the old covenant description yep. of the heart. Jesus, the, 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 God said, in the, when speaking of the new covenant, I'm going to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh to replace that heart of stone. You know, and David, so I, the, the heart that we have is the heart that's, that's engaged with and touched by the presence of God. And you can't trust your heart. Well, yes, I can trust my heart. What I can't trust is my mind. Mm-hmm. My mind is going to make all kinds of, of squirrely decisions. Now, what I also can't trust is my soul. I can't trust my emotions. Okay. Uh, my spirit is what he's, when he's talking about giving you a new heart, he's talking about a renewed spirit. The spirit of God indwells my spirit and makes me born again and makes me a new man, giving me a new heart, a heart that loves God and, and, and longs after him. Now I still have my flesh inconvenient as that is. I still have to deal with the flesh. And Paul was really clear about you know, you within yourself, within you, Tom, within me, David, there is the reality of the presence of God's spirit and he produces his fruit mm-hmm. within me is also the reality of my flesh and it produces its fruit and they are in conflict with one another. But there's not, it's not this thing of, oh, I have this terrible heart. The heart is deceitful and wicked, wicked above all things. Well, let me jump in on that because I I don't mean I read and I listen to a lot of books. I have a number of favorite authors. I don't typically mention them in these conversations because it could be a distraction if somebody doesn't know anything about. But one of my favorite authors hit on this very point. I was going to bring it up and I thought, nah, and then you nailed it. This whole idea that the heart is deceitful of all above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? This whole concept is still taught in the church today it's and the it, prevalent it's, a, it's the prevalent it's the prevalent it's teaching devastating it's devastating and what this author said is this c- comparing with the old testament and there are there are scriptures on this our body is the temple of the holy spirit then he asks so where is the holy of holies your heart god comes to dwell in your heart that means he must have done some really powerful work in there and cleaned up a lot of things our heart is good when we're in christ and if people would believe that if they would say things about themselves and think thoughts about themselves that are the thoughts and the things god would say about them they would be in a way better place one of the things that has contributed to so much concern about this particular issue Hmm. has been stupid people. (laughs) What's the Greek word for that? Stupido. It's the Greek word stupido. (laughs) And what I'm talking about is people who are born again. Okay. People who, who have received Christ, but they are, they are operating primarily from an unrenewed mind and from a mind that is not in harmony with 
the desires and goals of the spirit. <clears throat> and uh, or it might might be um, it, it might be uh, that they are they are there's there's brokenness there in their lives that drives them to succeed and they are controlled by selfish ambition because when you come to Christ Tom your flesh is still functional and for most of us most of us have lived significant portions of our lives governed by our flesh and and our mind which has not been submitted to the law of god is not been submitted to the spirit of god that unrenewed mind and because my unrenewed mind which is limited to com- completely to human reasoning and thinking and my flesh which is limited to completely what i want right now those two things can dominate an individual's life even after they come to christ yeah which is First why the scripture, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. First, First Corinthians 2.14, I love the message version. The unspiritual self, just as it is in, by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem so much like silliness. Spirit can be known only by spirit, God's spirit and our spirits in open communion. And when the spirit of God uh, communes with our spirit, his spirit convinces our spirit that we are the sons of God. And then that verse goes on yeah. in the message, spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing. Right. Whew. Now, here's the thing. And my, my word friends say, wait, 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 wait. You, you can't trust what you think. Well, of course I can't trust what I think, which is why, because I am a limited individual. But what I do trust is the 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 growing connection and the growing uh intimacy and the growing understanding that i have of 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 the the spirit of truth who speaks into my spirit in harmony with and in support of the scriptures i i can be very confident in 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 the scriptures and in the spirit working together in my heart to help me come to understand truth because the spirit of truth is going to speak of Jesus and it'll speak it to me and it's going to lead me into all truth. It's going to help me to understand that which is truth. See, part of what, Tom, this is, this next thing I'm about to say is the crazy uncle that lives in the basement. You know what I mean? (laughs) American evangelical, evangelicalism has this crazy uncle that lives in the basement or in the attic in some places because they don't have basements in Florida. (laughs) That crazy uncle that lives up in the attic. And here's what, here's that crazy uncle. He's that 12 year old boy that at youth camp got stirred up and, and, and the, 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 the youth minister was preaching a strong evangelistic message and, and it stirred him and he really didn't want to go to hell and he really did want to love God. And so he he walked up to the to the fire and tossed the pine cone into the fire as an example of his praying to receive Christ. And he met with a guy, and they're coming back to church on Saturday night. So tomorrow morning you go up, and tomorrow morning you go forward and you talk to the pastor. We're going to get this thing done. And so he goes forward. That's a big thing in Baptist circles. That's where I was saved. They, he, when you can talk to some people who, who young people who are Baptist, uh, hey, when did you become a believer? Well, I went forward when I was 12 years old. 
they actually that term's actually used. And he goes forward, or she goes forward, shake the pastor's hand. They go off with a counselor to the to the room over there, and they talk and they pray a prayer and they sign a card and they become a member of the church. And then next week or two weeks later, they get baptized. Everybody is, is happy, and they give him a certificate that he's able to hang on his wall. And this kid who's 12, 13, 14, 10, 9, 8, is told, you're a Christian now. And never once in that process, never once in that process, has that young person or that older person been been helped to walk through this process of repentance and believing. And they never once have come to the place of understanding what it means that you that the reality of God living in me is a whole and different define thing. Repentance. Define repentance. Repentance. Because repentance I think is, our definition might be a little different than what some people think. Yeah, it might very well be. R- repentance simply means to change your mind. All of us are moving in a direction. In our own ability, in our own capacity, we're all moving to, to just for the sake of a metaphor, we're all moving away from God. You can't ever move away from God. But this m- metaphor means the direction of my life is not pursuing or moving in the direction toward him or in the way that honors him. To repent means to stop moving the direction I'm going and to go, oh, wow, I don't want to do that anymore. And then the next step is to is to turn. Repentance is the change of mind. Uh, restoration is the thing where I turn and receive all that God has given me in and through what Christ did. So repentance is not crying and moaning and, you know, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, although you might weep or wail or whatever, that's fine. But repentance is when someone says, I don't want to live the life I've been living. That is not what I want. I want God. And the little boy who tossed the pine cone into the, into the burning fire, because that's what the youth minister told him to do. Or it might have been, depending upon your religious tradition, there's probably any number of those kinds of things that have happened with young people over the years. And so that kid grows up through the youth group, and after a while, the newness of that sort of thing wears off, and he finds it very hard to stay connected with these, all these other religious people. And so by the time he's in his early 20s or mid-20s or goes off to college, he drops church altogether. And we wind up with churches, and I was always fascinated by this whenever I, many years ago, a church with 1,000 members, and it's got 250, 280, 300 people that attend on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And the, a, a huge percentage of those people who are members but are not engaged are those people who – because, well, we know he's a Christian because he, he, he jumped through these five hoops. Mm-hmm. And now he's just now we have to create another we have to create another uh, category. Well, he's a carnal Christian. <laughs> yeah, he's a Christian because he's on our rolls as a church member and he jumped through the five hoops. But he's a carnal Christian. We're praying that he comes back to the Lord. And there's a number of verses in the Greek that oh yes, yeah. that term carnal yeah. Christian. Anyway, continue. Yeah, but that. Because so many people's experience in, in particularly in evangelicalism has been that so many of the people who, who, who have come, quote unquote, come to Christ fall away. Mm. And so it's, it's like, wow, how, what kind of confidence can we have in our developing faith where a huge percentage of the people 
five years later, aren't active. So all kinds of discipleship programs have been developed. All kinds of instructional programs have been developed. All kinds of ways to manipulate and encourage people to do better have been developed. Rather than recognizing that a person is born again by the presence of the Spirit of God in their life. And, 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 and that happens when it happens. Evangelism, evangelism, as it has been practiced in the modern American church, from my point of view, has been a curse upon the church. It's not been a blessing. Well, but all these people, we don't have any idea what all those people experience. Mm-hmm. I worked in the Billy Graham crusade that was in Kansas City many years ago. One of the counselors, one of hundreds. And and when when the music just as I am started, all the counselors were to get up and start moving down toward toward the front mm-hmm. to give to encourage those people who were really looking to get saved to come down forward too. And when we get down on the on the on the on the field, uh, counselors outnumbered people five to one or four to one, a bunch. And I'm I, and I'm not throwing rocks at Billy Graham ministry people. Right. I'm throwing rocks at this concept and idea that there are these hoops that people need to get through in order to get saved. And it's just tragic. It is. Consequently, we have so many people who've been, who've been raised up in their faith with little to no understanding or experience of engaging with and walking with the Holy spirit. Right. Now I've gone on, I've I've get off my soapbox. You had something, some things you want to talk about. Well, I got a couple scriptures here, um, and and folks, if you know David, if you know me, and if you've listened to us at all, we are not anti-scripture in any way, shape, or form. We're not anti-church in any way, shape, or form. I think your word is unfortunate. There are a number of unfortunate translations of the scripture. Galatians 5.16 says that if we walk in the spirit, we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's just a paraphrase of it. And I'm not saying that's an unfortunate translation, but let me give you a better one out of the message. Paul says, my counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Yeah. So if you want to comment on that, and then I got one or two other verses, but any thoughts on that? But I just love that the way he puts it. Walk in the spirit, do not fulfill. You don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It sounds like this. You need to walk in the spirit, so you don't. But, well, it, but it's, this, it sounds that way. It sounds that way to us, Tom, because that's the way we've heard it preached. Right. And right. Keep in, and keep in mind, most of us are in. Most of us are uh, familiar with with passages like that because we've heard them preached, not because we've studied. Not because right. we've we, we've dug beneath the surface. Here's the thing that you can know for sure: to the degree that you are engaging with and your life is being animated by the the presence of the Holy Spirit, your surrender. See, the, the Holy Spirit's there anyway. Yep. And to the degree that I am learning how to cooperate with Him, one of the phrases we've used is "keep in step with the Spirit." Mm-hmm. To that degree, we can be confident that our lives are not going to reflect the 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 fruit of the flesh the deeds of the flesh because because the the spirit is the light that casts out the darkness the spirit is the presence of god in me and to the degree that i am learning how 
in an ever-increasing and growing way. To allow God's spirit to be my comforter, to allow him to be my companion, to allow him to be my guide, to allow him to be my animating power. As I do that, the, the fruit of the flesh drops off. Yeah. And in Galatians 5.25, the little chunk, I'm paraphrasing, if we live in the spirit, we will walk in the spirit. But the, me- the, the, the message says, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or as a sentiment in our hearts, mm-hmm. but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. I think, I think that's really clear. I mean, if, I'm, if, if I say I'm walking in the spirit, yet the expression of my life to the others around me doesn't taste like love, mm-hmm. as defined by the scripture, if I if if uh, if we look at the if we look at the fruit of the spirit, joy, love, joy, yeah. gentleness, meekness, self control. Yeah. I mean, it, it the expressions of the spirit in my life are a reflection of my cooperation with His presence within me, and it's not a it's not a it's not about see, some so many evangelicals particularly. Now, the Charismatics and Pentecostals don't have a big challenge with this. They have another challenge. But it is to associate, it's, a, it's to associate the Holy Spirit and walking with the Spirit and being with the Spirit with the, the charismata or the, the charismatic phenomena or the gifts and those kinds of things. And because from their point of view, they've, they've been scared away from those things by a variety of reasons, for a variety of reasons. They've been scared, and they, they, they know the Holy Spirit in terms of its theological and doctrinal presence, but it's oftentimes they're not aware of and not consciously connected with the reality of the presence of God in me. Mm-hmm. Now, on the charismatic and Pentecostal side, their, their problem tends to be, and I've been in both of these camps, tends to be an acceptance of anything I think as being God talking to me. Now, you and I are just sitting here nodding our heads because (laughs) neither of us really want to say much. But I I tell you, and and I've got friends, I've got friends who will tell me, well, God said this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And I, I mentioned this probably in one of the previous ones. And I, I'd been listening to a guy talk to me about, you know, God said this and I was doing it and God said that. And I finally stopped him and said, how do you know? And he said, know what? How do you know that's God speaking to you? And his eyes got real big. And I said, it sounds incredibly a lot like what you want to do. And (laughs) Well, we're not friends anymore, but that's okay. I, you know, I, anytime, anytime I sense that I'm hearing God and, and it's exactly this thing that I want to do, I always go, okay, time out, time out. I mean, I'm not saying that God wouldn't want to do the thing that I want to do, but I'm sure. saying that I know enough about me. I know enough about me that I will want to 
craft things in such a way as to give myself permission to do the thing I want to do. Yeah. And, and then, I, you know, we just, we don't need God's permission to do everything. Just get up and go do. You don't yep. need God's permission to love somebody. You don't need God's permission to stop and buy some guy standing on the street corner with a sign that says hungry, need food, to go down to the Burger King and buy him a meal and bring it back up and give it to him. You don't need God's permission to do that. You don't have to pray about that. You never have to pray about helping somebody. Just do it. Just do it out of love. You also don't ever need God's permission to, to be kind to someone. There's all kinds of stuff in life. We don't need, we've already been told, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, we've already been told, but it, this goes back to something we talked about before. So many of us live with a constant fear of making a mistake. Yeah. I promise you this, Tom, and anyone else who happens to be listening, if you begin or you continue or increase your focus on, on a, on a journey with, with God and, and looking to, to, to grow in your understanding and your experience of relating to the Holy Spirit in your life, you are going to make mistakes. Here's the truth of that. You're going to make mistakes no matter what you do. You're going to make mistakes if you're trying to avoid making a mistake. You're still going to make mistakes. It's just the nature of being humans. In the presence of God in my life, is through his Holy Spirit. And we've just got to get past it. There have been some crazy stuff done in the name of the Holy Spirit. Crazy. There's also been some crazy stuff done in the names of avoiding the excess. Yeah. Tom, point to me. Point any denominational group or any evangelical large, largely defined group that hasn't had failure in their leadership. Oh, totally. You know what? You can be a good-hearted person. I've got some friends who are good-hearted person, good-hearted people, and they still are. Part of a church that was based in the Upper Midwest, <clears throat> and just just several years ago, the, the 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 leadership of that of that network of churches had to set down the guy that was in charge and built the whole thing. My friend deeply, deeply hurt by that because we develop an expectation that says, if this is God's man, he's not going to act the way that I would act if I were in that position. Mm-hmm. And that's what it does, brings failure. God is with us even when things are falling apart. Right. When, the, when the Christians were led into the arena, okay, in Rome, when the Christians were led into the uh, the arena to face the lions and to face the wild beast, you know where God was? With them. Right there. Right there with them. And there wasn't any name it and claim it kind of verses or scripture or, or theology that they could call upon to get themselves out of that situation. Mm-hmm. It just didn't exist. And you know what? It doesn't exist today. It's just a mirage. It's just a mirage. If someone tries to sell you or tries to promote to you some theology or some type of some type of uh, quote unquote faith that's going to keep you from experiencing loss and destruction and brokenness, uh, you need to run away from them as fast as you can. When you listen to what Paul said about himself, he was shipwrecked several times. He was beaten. 
he was stoned and left for dead in the middle of the road. Okay. And he's, if there is a hero in the new Testament, if, if there are heroes, he's one of them. Absolutely. And, and, and Peter, <clears throat> Peter was crucified upside. Supposedly his, you know, tradition tells us he was crucified upside right. down. And both of them had the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. Right then, when they breathed their last breath, the Holy Spirit was right there with them, holding them. And so we we need to recognize this is not something to be afraid of. This is something to be sober about. This is something to have an open heart to say, Father, please help me to understand. Help me to separate the, the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Help me to separate the good stuff from the not good stuff. And would you lead me into the truth that I need to know? Mm-hmm. I want to place my life into the hands of a loving father and trust that you are going to lead me into what I need to understand about the presence of your spirit in my life. Philippians 2 is one of my favorite chunks of scripture. And I was just looking at it the way I want to set this up and get your comments on. There's some people that are all about Jesus. They're maybe about the father, but the spirit. uh, uh, Yet, if you think Jesus is important, if you think the words of Jesus, the red letter edition, the words of Jesus are important, then it might be important to think about what Jesus had to say about the spirit. First of all, we know Jesus is part of the Godhead, part of the Trinity that David was talking about earlier. We know that Jesus was God in the flesh. Philippians 2, just the little chunk of it. Think of yourself in the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God. This is the message version, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became human. And it goes on. It's just a powerful section of scripture. And yet, and I think Jesus knew a few things. I think Jesus knew a few things. And yet, you look at John 14 and John 16. In there, it talks about Jesus saying, he shall teach you all things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in John 16, he will guide you into all truth. Does it make sense? Well, a lot of things don't make sense. Jesus could have taught us all things. Jesus could have, because I think he knows a few things. He could have guided us into all truth. Yet he said, the Spirit's going to do it. And David, you said it several times today. You've said it in other episodes. The Spirit is in you. It's the presence of God in you. Whether you know it or not, acknowledge it or not, or believe it or not. See, when Jesus took on flesh, when the Son took on flesh and became human, he's still human now. Mm-hmm. And he is still in that human form and that human body now. And when he said, that's what we mentioned this earlier. It's it's important for me to leave because the spirit of truth is going to come. And and <clears throat> that's when you're really going to be in a position of being able to encounter God in a different way because he has been with you, but then he's going to be in you. And I think that's a, that's a thing that we tend to miss. Listen, Tom, one of the things that, that 
one of the reasons, particularly evangelicals, and I know because I was one of them for quite a while, and it wasn't just me, my peers as well. One of the things that has that keeps people at arm's length in their own minds, at arm's length from the Holy Spirit, they're, they're not thinking about the reality as if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is within you. Okay. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> arm's length of the Holy Spirit is this desire or this concern or this fear about losing control. I want to be in a situation where I always have control. And um, that concern causes people not to engage with pursuing and engaging and responding to the presence and the reality of the Holy Spirit in their life, because so much of what they have seen, they have interpreted in a negative way of people being out of control. You know, uh, there was there was a term years ago, a derisive term that was used toward Pentecostals and, and uh, uh, charismatics, and the term was holy roller, because people would do all kinds of strange and, and things. It, this this was not a phenomenon that it was simply that was born in the Pentecostal movement early in the 1900s. This is something that happened a century before in the camp meeting revivals in Kentucky and in North Carolina, in the mountains, the Appalachian Mountain area the, uh, of, of, of these camp meetings. And there would be these, these, um, these incredibly demonstrative expressions that people – gave and it scared that it, I started to say it, it it scared it scared the Holy Spirit out of a bunch of people <clears throat> because if you see somebody jumping up and down and acting what you think is crazy or see them acting in some sort of way or way uh, some of these you know television evangelists and people have been on TV and and people are doing things that are strange and weird and and, and if some people go oh hey cool I want to go do that but the vast majority of people go no I don't want anything to do with that at all mm-hmm. and so those expressions which were considered to be excessive or those expressions which were considered to be uh, just off the wall, excessive, you know, no, no. And so so many people said, well, that can't be the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe, maybe not. That's not the point. The the point is these were people who were saying, if that is what it is, I don't want anything to do with that. And that person was me. I didn't want anything to do with it. Because of what I had seen and attributed to God. Was it God? I don't know. That's not, that's a discussion for another point. But the point I'm trying to make now is if, if, a, if a Christian has an openness in their heart to engagement with God and to allow God to, to just to bring his life into them and to, for him to control and grow and develop and nurture their hearts, that person is going to be open to the working of the Holy Spirit in their life. And if they don't, then they're not going to be. This is something that we're always learning to stay in step with the spirit, learning to walk. You're never going to exhaust this topic and we are going to move on the next, uh, the next of the six key points is soul care, learning (laughs) to nurture and care for our heart and soul. Yes. I won't go into any more details, but I just wanted to pull a couple of points from the outline that David has attached 
in the show notes on this episode and then just have you wrap up whatever your final thoughts are. <laughs> you can't say this one enough. Everything God does in the world today is by the Holy Spirit. Jesus grew up learning to walk in wisdom by the Holy Spirit in his life. It means walking in the Spirit means learning to discern what is his voice from the other voices. And maturing means, among other things, learning to enjoy the Holy Spirit as my constant companion, because that's who he is. That's who he is. He's my constant companion. He, 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 there has never been a time from, from the time of, from the time you embraced faith in Jesus Christ, there has never been a time he wasn't your constant companion. And I will go beyond that. There has never been a time in your life when the Holy Spirit wasn't near to you. Paul said, God is not far from any of us. Yeah. Now that, that can mess up our, our our doctrinal thinking sometimes but who do you, who do you think has drawn you to who do you think has drawn you to god who draws you when you find your heart straying and moving away and you've got anger and resentment and you've got upset at this person that person and you're off over in a corner somewhere stewing who is it that draws you back who is it that helps you realize oh my goodness i can't believe i said that to him I, oh, I need to go apologize. Who is it that helps you negotiate and navigate the world? It's the Holy Spirit. It's God's love being expressed to you right now, right now. By the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, he wants to wrap his arms around you. Does the Spirit have arms? Well, does God have arms? No, Jesus does. So wrap Jesus' arms around you. Let's don't get just don't get all off in the in the tall grass. Let's let's just recognize that right now, right. And this is I'm feeling I, I've been stewing on this this morning, Tom. That mm-hmm. you know I, I've been struggling the past couple of days with some stuff, and I you know, and the spirit just pulls me back. Okay, Dave, come back over here. And I and I've been engaged with this for a long time. And, and I, you know, when I when I get to be an old man, you know. 50 years from now, I know, I know that I will still be walking with the Holy Spirit today, focusing on keeping in step with the Spirit now, today, learning how to do that, learning to do it better than I do it now. I know how to do it better now than I did five years ago, but, but I still, I'm still human. I still have a flesh. I still have this will that rises up sometimes. But God is always there. The Holy Spirit is not something to be dreaded. It's not something, he's not something to be feared. He's not something to be avoided. He is my constant companion for the journey that I'm on. Yes. He's yours that way too, friends. And I'm going to pray right now. We don't do this very often. I want to pray. I want to pray right now. Father, that you would, you would help us to understand to help us to grow in our understanding of the relationship that we have with your Holy Spirit in our lives and how he has come along beside us. He's that parakletos, that that companion for the journey. He not only dwells within us, but he comes along beside us, wraps your arms around us because you're all there and helps us on the journey. 
Help me to grow in my understanding of that. Help me to understand it better tomorrow than I do today. Yes. We love you, Father. We bless yes. you. Amen. Amen. Well, this is going to wrap it up on the Holy Spirit. Uh, not that we don't have other stuff we can say about it, but we've got, we just need to move on. And yeah. I, hope, I hope this has been helpful. I hope these three uh, bonus episodes have uh, given you, uh, there's been some humorous opportunities, but I, the big thing Tom and I hope is that, is that you would be nurtured and encouraged and drawn into a deeper relationship with God. And all of that happens by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's the thing that we hope for you. Right, Tom? Yeah, that's right. God bless, folks. Until the next time, Godspeed. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Learning to Thrive podcast. We hope you have been encouraged. Please be sure to join us again next time. Together, we are learning to thrive.